Hey everyone and welcome to the North County Beat. Today is Friday, July 24th. My name is Kelly Kyle. I'm happy as always to be here with you. School might be out for the summer, but conversations surrounding diversity and inclusion on their campuses are still in full swing. Today's episode is going to look at allegations of discrimination at local high schools and how students and administrators are responding to all of this. But before we dive in, we've got a few words from our sponsors. The North County Beat is proudly supported by Cox Communications. Cox Communications offers high-quality Gigablast internet services that help businesses Families and individuals stay online and stay connected. Get more information at cox.com. The North County Beat is also supported by the San Diego Botanical Garden in Encinitas. The San Diego Botanical Garden is back open for visitors of all ages looking to get outdoors and connect with plants and nature. Tickets can be purchased online at sdbgarden.org. Now let's dig into a topic that has sparked so much conversation, especially in the past couple of months the way that diversity and inclusion are adopted in our society. In a time with so much attention to equity and diversity, people are pushing to see these embraced in all areas of their lives. And schools are no exception to that. Our story right now begins with Anzi Adams. Today, she's a political organizer living in San Marcos. But from 2009 to 2013, she was a student at the Classical Academy High School, a publicly funded charter school with locations in Escondido, Oceanside, and Vista. And it's a smaller school, so it's a very different um, environment than a big public school where you're just kind of unknown. Um, At least when I graduated, my graduating class was, you know, in the hundreds. This is still a public high school, but the classical academies work a bit differently than what you'd expect. In addition to their on-campus learning, they offer homeschool and independent study options. So basically, depending on which program you choose, you could spend part of your week learning at home. But this isn't the only reason that students opt to go. The reason that I went was because they have a really great theater program. They have a great choir. Uh, The quality of the music education is great. Uh, The sports teams are great. And the size of the classes are really small, too. So you get individualized attention. While the perks were pretty great, Adams had a few bumpy encounters early on with some of her fellow classmates, like this one day in study hall. I guess it was my freshman or sophomore year, um, and a bunch of boys were making rude and racist comments. And so, you know, I habitually tried to talk to them about this, how it made me uncomfortable, how it made other students uncomfortable. The conversation escalated, and Adam says the boys ended up calling her a communist, a lesbian, and a baby killer. Which, you know, being 14 at the time and thinking all three of those things were really terrible, I was super embarrassed. She wound up in the principal's office, where she says the conversation got a little strange. According to Adams, she was asked really personal questions that made the encounter feel like it was her fault and that the boys were not going to be addressed in the same way. And this wasn't the only time that she felt treated unfairly for her politics. I was told on multiple occasions that the the political activism that I was involved in on campus could be a distraction, and it wasn't like a good thing. Now let's take it back to present day. It turns out that Adams wasn't the only student who observed or experienced discrimination at the classical academies. On July 9th, right in the wake of regional and national outcries for racial justice, an Instagram account popped up. Discrimination at TCA. Their first post invited students and alumni to submit their experiences with discrimination on campus. This account isn't intended to force you to relive your trauma or to make others understand, the post reads. It is to shine a light on the darkest parts of the school system and hold them accountable. 
In its first week, the account, whose owner remains anonymous, had more than 50 posts from anonymous students and alumni reporting their experiences with racism, sexism, homophobia, sexual abuse, and other instances of discrimination at the classical academies. Today, the account has 112 posts, 703 followers, and it's still uploading content regularly. So far, the school hasn't made a public statement about the account, but Michelle Stanley, chief communications officer at the Classical Academies, says they are aware of it. We've intentionally been thoughtful about not posting because we really want to ensure that the students don't feel minimized or threatened. And we want to respect the fact that students have chosen to post anonymously. And we, we do realize that this platform allows them to have a voice, which is important, and the conversation needs to be had. Like most public schools, the classical academies have policies in place that prohibit discrimination and sexual harassment. Stanley said the administration encourages students and alumni to submit official reports regarding their experiences. Investigations will be launched if students come forward and report official abuse. We can't take information off of a social media site. They actually need to come forward and file a complaint. We should note that TCA isn't the only school where students have taken to social media to report discrimination. The Poway Unified School District is facing a similar situation right now. Started back in June, there was an Instagram account called Black and PUSD that popped up, calling out instances of racial discrimination that students of all ages experienced. Michelle O'Connor Ratcliffe is the Board of Education president for that district. Well, when we when we heard about the Instagram account, we were obviously concerned. Those students are really brave to share their stories publicly. Um, so we reached out, the, out to the creators of that account to see if they would be willing to speak with district officials about it, and they were. Since reaching out last month, the administration is now working with students, parents, and community groups to determine specific steps toward change. When you're working with the student groups and the, and the parent groups and the families, they, when they're buying in, it helps to push that message out that they're serious, guys. We can join this time because it's real this time. Because I think tapping into some disappointment that we did report this and nothing happened. Well, this time it's different. Now, that reporting piece she mentioned is a significant part of the conversation surrounding discrimination at these schools. For the most part, the reporting systems are there. In fact, TCA has a newer one called See Something, Say Something, where students can anonymously report instances like the ones discussed on the Instagram account. It's just that some of these students don't really feel like they can come forward. I've had peers who have held themselves back from posting or submitting to our discrimination at TCA account, and even anonymously out of fear that someone will recognize the situation and that they'll be reprimanded by staff members or even socially ostracized for sharing these views, which is something that no student should have to feel. This student is an upcoming senior at the Classical Academies. She requested to stay anonymous. In her experience, she says reporting these incidents hasn't really done much. She gave an example of one friend who reported a time where another student called them a slur. They took it to staff, took it to our principal, and it wasn't, the situation was handled in a way that wasn't necessarily as strong or as influential on the student who made the mistake than it should have been. No real action was taken against them, and the result was underwhelming in the eyes of the student who I had talked to. This current student I spoke with, as well as Anzi Adams from the class of 2013, also observed predominantly conservative and Christian beliefs within the school, 
and not much space for debate. Adams anecdotally mentioned that many of her classmates also attended the North Coast Church, which has a similar anonymous Instagram account out there right now, documenting abuse in that organization. Michelle Stanley, TCA communications officer, says that the school does not have any religious affiliations or formal connections with the North Coast Church. With seven campuses and over 5,500 students in TK through 12th grade, we serve many families across North County. And no doubt, some of them would attend different churches and participate in religious activities, I'm sure. Um, But this is not connected to our operations. Um, We are a public organization, and we do receive public funding. And so our focus is on providing high-quality academics for every student. Stanley also said that the classical academies do not restrict what teachers can say or talk about in the classroom. And while Adams and the other student I spoke with acknowledge that many teachers intentionally create safe environments for dialogue, they find that some other teachers do not. If, if we want the school to truly feel inclusive, then we need to have the ability to have open discussions on both sides of any issue rather than pushing one side of an issue or another and creating kind of an equilibrium between um, all of our student-led clubs and what, like the conversations that we have in general rather than ostracizing or isolating one side of things and pushing another side of things. The issue of fostering a productive dialogue is another big one in the diversity and inclusion space, especially when it comes to schools. Bernardo Ferdman has been a psychology professor for more than 30 years, with a special focus on organizational diversity and inclusion. He says inclusivity shouldn't be reduced to just one particular political view. This is not about being right-wing or left-wing. This is about um, being able to connect across differences and use them in a a positive way that's mutually beneficial to the person and to the collective. Now, the classical academies are taking some steps to address those inclusivity gaps that students are pointing out. They made a pretty significant move last year by joining the Anti-Defamation League's No Place for Hate program. They didn't get too far due to COVID-19 closures, so Michelle Stanley says they're going to focus on it again this year, even if they are unable to return to campus. We hope that that won't stop us from engaging with students and asking for their thoughts and opinions on strengthening communication and connection points. We want to improve as an educational community. So what exactly is this No Place for Hate program? Basically, it gives schools a deep dive into diversity and inclusion. So schools that register for this program have to complete a multitude of active learning opportunities that focus on topics like challenging bullying or bigotry, promoting respect, focusing on inclusion, and many more. Once schools meet these requirements, they are officially designated as a no-place-for-hate school. Kelsey Greenberg-Young, the education director for the ADL in San Diego, says just because a school is registered, that doesn't mean that they've done all the work. What it does mean is that schools have committed to um, continue this conversation, to not brush something under the rug, to say, okay, we're going to do better, we're going to address it, etc., During the past academic year, 100 San Diego County schools registered for No Place for Hate and 76 received the official designation, even with the COVID-19 uncertainty. This program has the potential to make major waves in a campus climate, but according to Greenberg-Young, that takes a true commitment. 
schools get as much out of No Place for Hate um, as they put in. So you can walk onto some campus and it might be something where it is a little superfluous and not every student does know. And then you walk onto another campus and it, again, is in, it, it, when it's done to its fullest potential, it is embedded into everything they do. And a student be like, of course we are. Yes, we are. That is something that's very important to our school identity. So it's going to depend. And it's going to depend on, again, how much the school puts into this work and effort. So when I explained the No Place for Hate program to the current TCA student and mentioned that the school would be implementing it this year, she was excited, but she also had some reservations. That's super exciting to hear about um, coming from classical. I think that if it's done right, it can have a great effect. But Mm -hmm. if we don't implement it properly and we don't actively encourage that students take it to heart, then it could pose the risk of being a liability to students who do hold um, more progressive viewpoints. This student and a few others are also taking initiative on their own end to push for change at TCA. Inspired by the actions of the students in Poway, this group at TCA is creating a petition that includes specific demands for the school's board of directors to increase diversity and inclusion in the school. They want to pursue a working relationship with the board. The more we can work with the school directly, the more we can get done. Because this isn't an issue where we need to be attacking the school or attacking anyone. We need to work hand in hand with the school so that we can get things done and so that we can produce change and make the school the environment that we know it can be. And according to Michelle Stanley, the school's communication officer, the administration is also open to working with students on these issues. We would absolutely consider involving students to help shape a plan. And, and we would be interested in not just addressing this at our high school level, but at all, all grade levels. Despite the grim realities shared on the Discrimination at TCA Instagram page, the students I spoke with are hopeful that change can happen. For example, since Anzi Adams graduated in 2013, the school has implemented a Gay-Straight Alliance, or GSA, and another group called Changemakers that discuss current events. That's a pretty big deal, Adams explains. We didn't even have a GSA when I started there. And I remember trying to start one and I could not find anyone to join because it was just, it was social suicide. If you joined, you would be, you wouldn't have a place to sit at lunch, you know. Today, the GSA and Changemakers have about 15 to 20 members each. And those folks are happy to be there. Another move suggesting that a cultural shift might be afoot staff reaching out to current students to check on them during the situation. I've had several teachers reach out to me about the account and ask me, you know, have you seen this? And we had a whole discussion about how good it is that we're addressing these issues. And I'm not sure that's something that could have happened in, say, 2013. But let us not forget that all of this is happening right as these schools are figuring out how and if they can reopen next school year and what that learning might look like. Michelle O'Connor Ratcliffe with the Poway Board of Education says reopening is their number one priority right now, but that doesn't mean that diversity has dropped off their radar. This is important. We've got, you know, our safety issues, protecting our kids, making everyone feel comfortable. That's part of our mission statement for our our district. We've got to get that done. We have to do it. Now at the Classical Academies, this whole situation is still relatively fresh. Where it's all going to end up is still to be determined. Diversity and inclusion are ongoing issues in all aspects of our society today. Real change won't happen overnight, 
But now that these student experiences are out in the open, it'll be hard to turn back without a resolution. A huge thank you to Samantha Nelson this week. She wrote up an account of this story for our print edition. You can read that in the paper or online at thecoastnews.com. Definitely check that out. That's all we have for this episode. We will be back with you on Friday, August 7th. Shout out to the amazing managing editor of The Coast News, Mr. Jordan Ingram. Our podcast manager is Ryan Woltz. Our associate publisher is Chris Kidd. Our publisher is Jim Kidd. I'm Kelly Kyle. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time.